This is Secrets to Win Big, your roadmap to sustained growth. Brought to you by Arjun Sen, founder and CEO of Zen Mango, brand whisperer, top brand growth driver, and a former Fortune 500 executive who has been called one of the most marketing intelligent minds in the business. Find him at zenmango.com. And now, here's your host, Arjun Sen. Welcome to Secrets to Win Big with Arjun Sen. Hi, this is Arjun, welcoming you to this episode of Secrets to Win Big, where you'll hear from leaders from all walks of life, from all over the world. The reason that is incredibly important is because each one of you are unique and your leadership path cannot be similar to anybody else's. It's a unique path. And that's the reason the input from secrets from leaders from all walks of life is incredibly important for each of us to get that little impetus, that little drive to push ourselves further in life. Today, my VIP guest is Raka Sen. And at the very beginning, I really want to put in front of all of you is the little smoke on my face is because I'm really proud to be interviewing my daughter, my baby, who today is an incredible professional and teaches me amazing lessons in the business world as well as in life. Raka is a doctoral student in sociology program at University of Pennsylvania at UPenn. Her research interests include the sociology of climate change, social resilience, cities, neighborhoods, and disaster sociology. Raka was awarded in 2019-2020 Fulbright Nehru Research Grant to study how climate change adaptation in the Indian and Bangladesh Sundarbans is fundamentally reshaping gender roles in the region. Really a fascinating story, and I want to know a lot more about that. Also, Raka is, was a researcher at Rebuild by Design, a resilience initiative launched after Hurricane Sandy, where she studied how long-term infrastructure projects develop over time. Raka holds a BA in Sociology, Urban Design, Architecture Studies from New York University. And of course, it's truly a dad's dream to read her daughter's bio before introducing her on the podcast. So Raka, no pressure. Welcome to Secrets to Win Big. Thanks for having me. So Raka, first let me take a deep breath and say, wow. Let's start about your work on climate change and adaptation uh, in India, Bangladesh, Sundarbans. How you ha- you know how did you get here? Like what got you so excited in this particular area? So um, I think as you mentioned in my bio, before I started grad school, I worked for a few years um, at an initiative to make the Northeast a little bit more resilient after Hurricane Sandy. So I got to like the Northeast US. Um, so I got to see firsthand what the implications of climate change can look like for a city. Um, and growing up, uh, as you know, we went to India a lot. So I think that one of the things that really struck me is like if a place that has as many resources as New York is having so much trouble adapting to this like really scary thing, um, then what does that look like for places like India? And that, I think that's something that like really bothered me. Also because like the like, just the difference in 
how like how much these places contribute to it right because it's like mm -hmm. one of the projects is like working to protect the financial district which is like contributes to global cl climate change every day whereas like the Sundarbans which is this mangrove forest in India and Bangladesh does not almost nothing to contribute to it and actually like is oftentimes referred to as like a buffer for like other parts of India and Bangladesh for like mitigating storm effects and stuff like that. So just that imbalance, I think really bothered me. Um, so when I started grad school, I think I really had that in mind and I wanted to continue to study um, cyclones and like the way that they affect people. And like, I think that I connect that to um, like overall climate change because we're having more and more cyclones and storms because of climate change. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, so it was basically kind of like that drove me to start to do that, uh, like to understand that. And I think that it was really hard for me when I started to go to the Sundarbans to decide to just do the Indian or just do the Bangladeshi Sundarbans because they are like one large, like ecological place where these things kind of look similar across the board, but they're like usually separated and studied separately. So I think that's kind of how I got there. So could you take a few seconds to just help the audience understand what is Sundarbans? So like, how do you describe that? Sure. So the Sundarbans is a mangrove forest. It's made up of 400 piece and parcel islands. So there's tiny, tiny islands. Um, and each of the islands is protected kind of by this like, like tree barrier. And mm -hmm. mangrove trees are really special because they have these like really deep roots that like intertwine and protect the coast. Um, so actually mangrove trees are being studied around the world now for their effects for maybe we should build them to like mitigate the effects of climate change, but they like naturally occur here. Mm -hmm. uh, and yeah, so then the Sundarbans also, I mean, part of the um, problem is that 4 million people inhabit the Sundarbans or like about 4 million people inhabit the Sundarbans. Um, and it's at, it's just at the very top of the Bay of Bengal. So ecologically, it's always been a place where there's been a ton of like movement because like all of the like rivers that run through India and Bangladesh kind of output there. Um, so it's ecologically been really, really versatile, but now that climate change is happening, like it's kind of like Bangladesh and the Sundarbans specifically is oftentimes referred to as climate change ground zero because these small changes on a place where there's like such a big powerful natural effect are making huge differences. Got it. So to me, as you go in, you're not just studying the climate change, you're looking at the impact of the individuals there, which means you really need to get to know about people, their life, and how deep-rooted the impact is. So what's your secret to get to know people and how they live? I think the thing about getting to know people is, especially in the Sundarbans, to new people coming and learning about their lives, you just have to be open and go in with like kind of re like rejecting some of the hierarchies that might be built into your mind. So one of the problems that I found in a lot of the like literature about places like the Sundarbans is we always assume that we're coming from a place where we know better, right? It's like, I'm coming from the US and I'm studying this mangrove forest. So like this, like there's this internalized notion of like my life is better. Um, and like that can play out in many ways. So like in everyday interactions, um, for instance, if I go to someone's house in the Sundarbans, they will bring me a plastic chair and then everyone will sit on the ground around me. But that's putting you on uneven playing fields from the very beginning, right? Um, and it's hard to get to know people actually in that way. So like even like the very thing of like rejecting that chair and then sitting on the floor with them 
Um, or I think when I first went, it was really hot because it was right before the monsoon season. So everyone got styrofoam fans and we're all fanning me. But then they all laughed because I took the fan from them and started fanning them. And it's like things like that where it's like mm -hmm. you're like reversing that power, reversing that notion. Because it's not even just that like I have that when I'm going into these communities. It's also that they have that, right? Like this foreign girl from the U.S., which is like this like magical place that it of a lot of money is coming. So like, how do you flip those narratives and make it feel more even? Which is like in some ways impossible, but I do a lot of work now that I know these people better of always showing them how much I'm learning from them and like the things that their communities do better or the things that I'm learning from them as a person. So when you show them that you're learning from them, how do you position the use of the knowledge? Because for them to share, how do you help them see the impact and the power of the knowledge that you're learning from individual, from individuals, how they'll aggregate into this huge world-changing learning? Um, I think the best way I can answer that question is to tell you a story. Um, so in the Indian Sundarbans, I have this guy who I call my host brother because like his family is the family that I usually eat my meals with because I can't procure my own food by fishing and cooking with wood. Mm -hmm. uh, so I call them like my host family. So my host brother and I went one day to go see, there was, they were building this new water project somewhere and we wanted to go see it because there's like a big salinity problem where like the salt water from the Bay of Bengal is coming in and like infiltrating the Sundarbans, which is like basically the crux of like what I have started to study. Um, and I can tell you more about that. But so we were on our boat trip on the way back um, and he was pointing kind of at the edges of some of the islands and there's like all the islands have like elevated edges, which is called a bond, which like literally means to tie or to tie off. So I always think about it as like tying off the land from nature by elevating the edge. So he was pointing that like um, these development agencies had come and built like numerous roads and you could see like, I think six layers of where roads had been built and then the edges had eroded into the water. Mm -hmm. And he was like, I don't get why they like keep build rebuilding there. And then I was like, why like what would you do differently and he was like oh i would just like put the road right through the middle of the island because then it'll never erode and you only have to build it once and i was just like that knowledge of where to build something because like for us it makes sense right like it should go around the per like perimeter mm -hmm. but if it's going to constantly erode and you're constantly going to have to rebuild it like that local knowledge is like it's you know it's just there's nothing it's unparalleled so when he said that i was kind of saying do you see how it was funny because I was like, do you see how you know something that like other people don't know? And I was like, would you trust me like to come up with like the plan for this? And he was like, no, of course not. You don't know anything. And I was like, exactly. It's like, I was like, I spent like more time here in this actual place than like most of the people who like design these projects. And I think that for him, like this spark of like being able to tell me like, oh, you actually don't know anything about my land and like actually understanding and internalizing that was big, right? Because it's like, for him, it's for the first time, like the power differentials are shifting. Love that. So taking this, and again, everyone in the business world in different ways always tries to know the end user, the client, or the person. Now, as a social scientist, how does your curiosity and care lead you to really get to know people? And more importantly, even though you talk a little bit, can you just help me 
you know, you have done other work before in business world. How is this different? Like you gave me some simple things about, you know, reject the hierarchy. Can you get me a little more insight on how you're going really deep? And I want to know a little more about your curiosity and your care. Definitely. Um, I think that, I mean, I think in part, I have always been curious about the way the world works and like, especially like about like my heritage from India, because like my mom and dad both moved here from India. Um, and like, I think really fostered this sense of going back and feeling kind of a sense of ownership of like my ancestry um, and like understanding Bengali culture. But I think that like a big part of that culture is like this way of relating to other people that's like very different than the way we do it in the US. Um, and I have learned that even deeper while I've been in the Sundarbans um, because I'm immersed in it, right? So it's like, I think that the way that I've learned to care for people through my like ethnographic work is, or participant observation, um, is through these like, these like notions of care that it's different because like I think that in a lot of Western societies we like we really value the collect or the individual um whereas like in like especially in the Sundarbans the collective is like a whole different thing like people people provide someone else what they need before they even realize that they need it so like before I realize I'm hungry someone will come to my house with like fruits because they know that I don't like to eat rice and fish for breakfast so they will go get some fruits from somewhere and bring them to me or um, if I spend too much time alone, they'll be like, what are you doing in your house for so long? And I'll say, oh, I was writing. And they're like, oh, you can just do that, at, like do that with us. Or like, it's like this like, notion of like checking in on people's needs or knowing what they would need even before they, like before they can even like assert that. And it's yeah. interesting, right? Because that, that's like in the US that would be considered like kind of pushy or like it doesn't fit the same way, right? Mm -hmm. So how did you prepare for this mindset change, this research? Um, I think that there's no way to prepare for the mindset change other than being open for it. But there are a lot of good ways to prepare for the research. Um, I've been working a lot on my Bengali language skills. I learned on my first trip to the Bangladesh that the Bengali that I know is what you would use in the household. So when you have to talk about things that aren't what food to eat or things like that, um, I didn't know it. So I've been doing some pretty intensive Bengali lessons for three years now, learning how to read and write, learning how to read like articles and stuff about climate change, which has been a challenge. Um, and then I've read a lot of books and talked to a lot of scholars who have done this kind of work. Um, and I think the biggest training for me has been learning like how to do methods, right? Like how to do this kind of research ethically, because I think that there's a lot of ethical challenges with like going to a place and, um, you know, building your own like understanding of the place in a way that benefits me, but not necessarily them, right? Mm -hmm. So in this whole journey or also in life, what's the one person, you know, incident or a person that has inspired you the most? Can you get me a little more details on that, please? Um, I think that I'm like constantly inspired by my grandpa. Um, he was, he is this really amazing man um, who, I mean, I've talked to him more and more as I've grown up about 
what his life looked like. And I think that he kind of also has this curiosity, like the same curiosity that I do of, or I think I've learned it from him of like wanting to go to other places. He's actually the first person who ever told me about the Sunderbunds. Hmm. Um, and when he was telling me about it, he told me about how he went with like, it's kind of like um, doctors in India who like go to help people who don't have regular access to doctors. And he said that he was so moved when he was there and um that so he's i mean he he kind of said this to me before i went he was like when i went i wanted to stay forever and he's like i know it's gonna happen to you too um but also yeah the ethic of care the curiosity like all of that are like values that i think very much come from my grandfather and thanks for sharing so you're listening to secrets to win big with arjun sen today my vip guest is raka sen who has been working on how everyday adjustment in people's lives are in fact a form of climate change adaptation. It's a fascinating conversation and Rafa just shared two mega learnings. One is how do you get ready for a journey so unique and different and her inspiration. And the two things that Rafa really struck me thus far is, you know, how being open to appreciate the difference. And then the simple story that you talked about how to be on the same even playing field. And as you shared with me the story about local culture, where once you are there, they bring you a plastic chair and and everybody else is sitting on the ground. And instead, you rejected the chair and sat on the ground with them. Or the second one was a funny incident where they were, you know, trying to fan you and make you, you know, feel comfortable. And instead you started fanning them because, you know, we are all equal. I think these are great learnings. So Raka, the last section is a fun section where it's all about one thought, one sentence. Okay, and I'll just take you through a bunch of questions and it'll be really cool to get your top of mind first answer. Are you ready? I'm ready. So let's go beyond the world of academics, research, and sociology. What will be your advice to anybody in any walk of life to be a successful leader? I think not being afraid of being uncomfortable. Okay. Help me understand a little more on not being uncomfortable, just a little more. I just would love to know more. I think that a lot of us um, tend to, when we find things that we like, we like them, right? So we stick to them, but um, we always forget that there's so much more out there and there's so much more you can learn. And there's moments of like really true discomfort where, especially when I'm in the Sunderbund, I'm like, why am I doing this? Or like, it'd be so nice to be at home with my mom and dad and like have them making me food in the air conditioning instead of like in this like hot, sticky place where I can't take a clean shower mm -hmm. but then it's like doing those things and like not being afraid of like not just bodily discomfort but also being so far away from everything I know and everything I care about that like that's where you can start to like expand who you are see something completely different and change exactly how you're thinking about things but I think you really have to embrace like being uncomfortable and it's like saying that that's okay and also doing it, you know, it's like striving for it in some ways, right? Because that's how you learn about other people and other things. 
love that. So to me, what can we all do to make an impact to make the world better? In one sentence? One thing. What, we, what can we do? Any thought? Fight climate change. Okay. So as you see the world, how do you see, you know, what do you see as the big win from your perspective? The youth. I'm like so inspired by the movements that are starting from like, I mean like Greta Thunberg and like all of that for like the climate change movement, the Black Lives Matter movement right now is like very much rooted in like this like young thing. And I have so much, and I've, I've been teaching a lot recently and I have so much hope in the future from like seeing how these kids are thinking about the world and how they're learning things now that I have, I'm just learning. It's amazing. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, on that note, you know, an amazing 14 year old that who you and I both know on climate change had told me this very simple statement is, I know you guys do not, did not take care of the planet, but do not give us a planet at a state when we cannot fix it anymore. And I really felt such a beautiful way Agni had said that. And what you're saying, I think echoes exactly that. Now, as we start looking at Raka is, you know, a lot of people talk about things, but at the end, it's all about the action. And you talked about the younger generation, you know, from the climate change to Black Lives Matter, each one of these movements, the very fact we have a better hope is it's all rooted in the younger generation who gets it. So in your point of view, what is the most important driver to achieve big wins? Like what do we have to do? One thing that we should all focus on. So it's not ideas, but big wins. That really drives younger people now is like compassion and care for each other. And I, I think that was like rooted in the question that you asked earlier, right? It's like, mm -hmm. it's like rather than just seeing the world as it exists for you, realizing that if it doesn't exist the same way for other people, then it's not right. And I love that. The journey also has to be compassionate and caring. So you have had, you know, a very amazing career where initially you were planning to get into, you know, fashion design, then branding, then international. And, you know, as you start going through, again, everybody goes through and now you have settled to an amazing place where you're making an impact. So as you have gone through, you know, there are a lot of obstacles that you have crossed. So is there a word or a concept that you totally take out of your dictionary and just to be, you know, a little tactical, top athletes I've worked with remove the word no from their dictionary. Is there any concept or word that's not in your dictionary? I really try not to say that I'm right or that I'm correct. Like this concept of right and wrong, I think is really de detrimental. Because mm -hmm. um, then if, if you're focused on being right, then you can't learn and listen, right? Got it. So now let's have a little fun. If Raka today in 2020 could go back to Raka, that young kid, 
graduating from high school, what would be one piece of advice you would give that kid dropout? I need to learn to trust myself. Um, I think that the world right now, especially for young people, is full of a lot of pressure and you want to just like become something. But the process, like, I mean, the process of becoming something never ends, right? Your whole life, you're like still becoming something and what that, what that thing is might change. But like, I wish I had just like trusted that I would find what me, what I was passionate about. Cause it's hard when you're not, like when you're passionate but you don't have something to be passionate about yet. Um, and like trusting myself that I would get there. Mm -hmm. So be passionate and trusting yourself. So Rafa, you know, to be successful, I always find that success needs to have a plan, a process. So what's the first thing and the last thing you do that makes you successful? Um, the first thing and last thing I do is I hug and take care of my dog. Um, and I thought about this for a while because I thought that maybe my answer to this question should be a little bit more profound. But I think that one of the most important things you can do um, to be successful is to care for yourself and do the things that make you happy because then you can arrive in the ways and be present in the world the way that you need to, want to. And what's the last thing? The same, hug Piglet, my puppy. Love that. That's such a simple yet profound. So Rafa, what's the best way anybody who wants to have a you know, follow-up conversation, what's the best way can they reach you? Uh, they can email me. My email is my first and last name at sas.upenn.edu. Okay. Rafa Sen at, at sas.upenn with two n's dot edu. So thank you, Raka. This was simply incredible sharing. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. It was lovely to talk to you about all of this. Yeah, so today, Raka shared incredible learning and wisdom. And the big thing that hit me was even before you start a journey is the mindset and the perspective that opens you for learning and a few things Raka talked about, which you know, I will reflect on. One is reject the hierarchy in your mind. The whole thought that I am coming from this background, I have this education, I know more. I don't think knowledge flows from lower level to higher level. The moment you put yourself at a lower level of not knowing, that's where knowledge flows. Raka was fascinating in the two stories that she said, and those are, you know, you must go back and listen to those. Those are like fascinating stories about how she puts herself, puts herself in an even playing field and sometimes literally, and that was, you know, very memorable. You know, she also talked about the whole mindset of appreciating the difference. And that's the part where understanding that, Culturally, we are totally different. You know, for example, in US, most of the time, in anywhere we look at from a consumer point of view, we start with an individual, then we look at individuals around him or her, and then we go beyond. But what Raka shared about when you go to Sundarbans, that's the part where collectiveness is very important. And this is very fascinating because this is a mistake that even big brands make. I'll give an example was when through sports, 
US and, and Mexico was blending, especially with World Cup soccer coming in, we in US were always fascinated by sports leaders being, sports athletes being role models. Like we were all fascinated with Be Like Mike. But what we learned was in Mexico, it's not the athlete who is the role model. It's a family member. It's that grandpa, that grandma who with this big smile makes us the fresh tortilla and wraps and makes the burrito. So I really think that was a very big universal learning. And of course, at the end, you know, Raka shared about be open. Again, these are fascinating learnings and I request each one of you to go back and listen to the podcast because these will really are universal learning. And again, I want to put the disclaimer, this one I'm really biased because my daughter, she has been born smart and continues to be smart and always inspires me. So thank you again to listen to Secrets to Win Big with Arjun. It's always a pleasure. And the content in this, content in this discussion is copyrighted. Happy listening. You've been listening to Secrets to Win Big with Arjun Sen, founder and CEO of Zen Mango, brand whisperer, top brand growth driver, and a former Fortune 500 executive who has been called one of the most marketing intelligent minds in the business. To learn more, visit www.zenmango.com. Share this podcast with your friends and subscribe wherever you like to listen to podcasts. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.